welcome to this week's episode of The Wow, the podcast that will help you navigate your way through the world of adulthood and the uncontrollable forces of womanhood. I'm Georgina Beasley, your host, and in today's episode, I had the incredible privilege of interviewing the amazing Shivani Gopal, a business owner, financial expert, and mastermind when it comes to empowering women to achieve their career goals. We sat down to talk all about understanding your worth and how to approach a pay rise. Shivani shared some fantastic tips and tricks to negotiating these types of conversations. If you enjoy today's episode, please remember to subscribe, leave a review or share it with your friends. And if you haven't already, come join our community on Instagram at underscore the wow project underscore. And just a little side note, unfortunately, I encountered some technical difficulties when recording, so the audio may be a little funny in areas. But even so, it's still definitely worth listening to, so I hope you enjoy it regardless. Hi, Shivani. Thank you so much for joining us on the WOW podcast. So lovely to be here, Georgina. Thanks for having me. No worries. Would you mind sharing a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So uh, I see myself as an empowered woman um, and uh, and I'm the founder and CEO of The Remarkable Woman um, and I see myself as very much a multi-passionate and serial entrepreneur. So I was brought to uh, Australia by my incredible parents when I was one and had the incredible privilege of growing up in Australia and having an Australian education, uh, grew up in restaurant kitchens and Therefore, I think business ownership was normal to me. And uh, I guess it was no wonder that um, after, you know, seeing so much money exchange hands in restaurants, I ended up having a career in finance and then being, you know, seeing my parents in business, I ended up starting up two of my own businesses. So um, I guess that's the long and short of me. Did you always want to be a business owner when you were younger or did you have other aspirations? You know, I'm a very multi-passionate woman and I always had ambitions to be a business owner, thanks to my parents. So when mum and dad had their Indian restaurant, I used to always say to them, one day I'll run this. One day this is my business. And unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, um, you know, depending on how you say it, well, unfortunately, this one bit, my, my dear father had a heart attack. It was pretty serious. He had a double bypass as a result of it. Um, and my parents went, you know what, too much stress right now. We need to de-stress the family. And they, they got rid of, they got out of the restaurant business. Um, but, you know, we always used to look back as a family and go, you know, if we kept that restaurant, that would have been Shivani's restaurant. And I would have been running that. And, um, and so I guess that, you know, that taught me early on that, you know, I always wanted to be a business owner. And I think sometimes just getting the words out of your mouth, um, is one of the biggest steps, right? As, as women, we tend not to talk about our ambitions and our goals because we're frankly cultured not to do so, right? We're cultured to play small and play nice and fit into molds. But when we talk about our ambitions, they start to become real. There's pathways that start to frame in our mind. We start to get so much agency and motivation around it. And we end up finding supporters, finding chillings, and we end up finding people who can help us, you know, make this dream come true. But talking about it is the number one thing. Talking about it normalises it to you and it makes you believe it first and therefore you then convince other people of it. Um, and so I guess that that battle was never a battle for me because I was saying it since I was 12, oh, yeah, I'm going to own a restaurant one day. Um, and so, you know, by default, owning a business was never too far of a, of a shot 
Mm-hmm. And uh, although I, I never thought I'd start up my own ed tech, um, short for education technology, which is the remarkable woman, or my own fintech, short for financial technology, which is upstreet. Um, but, you know, here we are. And I'm aware you're quite the financial expert as well and have done a lot of study in that area as well as work in your early days. Did you fall into that through your passion for business and wanting to upskill or where did that come from? What made you want to study that and get into the finance world? It came really from experiences. And for me, it was a number of experiences, right? And I really encourage your listeners when I'm telling my stories to think about their own childhood stories and how it's framed their perception on money, their future path that they're, the path they're currently on, the path they may be taking and their money story. Because for me, um, you know, there are some really strong memories that are etched in my mind that I think have led me to my career in financial services and then therefore led me to where I am today and um, makes me maintain that level of financial expertise. Um, and one of them, Georgie, was unfortunately that story of my, my incredible dad having a heart attack. And, um, you know, mum and dad are my heroes and, um, and even back then, you know, very much my heroes. And these invincible creatures that you just think somehow just, you know, keep carrying on with life and, you know, you don't know how they do it, but they do it somehow. And when my dad had his heart attack, it was the first time I ever saw him vulnerable. And it was the first time the blinders came off, that blinder of privilege that you have when you have two loving, supporting parents and all your problems are pretty much taken care of for you. And I say this quite a lot, right? Winning the jackpot in life is just having loving parents who, who will support you. I think everything else will just works itself out. And, and so my sisters and I had that. But then when dad had the heart attack, mum ended up working three jobs to get us through. Wow. And, um, and I heard these things that really made my blood boil, Georgie. Like, you know, these, um, these people will come up to mum and dad and be like, you know, don't worry, it's going to be fine because he's got insurance. And it was the first time I'd ever heard about insurance, right, aside from car insurance and home insurance, which is very normalised. You see it on NRMA ads all the time. Um, But you don't hear about this other kind of insurance that people may get if you have a heart attack. Mm -hmm. And so what made me really angry was that why did it take my dad having a heart attack for people to talk about insurance? Why didn't they talk about it beforehand? And, of course, lo and behold, they didn't have any insurance. The kind of insurance, by the way, they're referring to is trauma insurance, which means that if you have a heart attack, you are diagnosed with cancer or stroke or any one of these major illnesses that we all are mortals and we all unfortunately may have. Exactly, right? Um, you, you get a payout and generally that payout covers certain things like your mortgage or at least a couple of years worth of mortgage repayments, medical expenses and so forth. And so we didn't have that. Mum worked three jobs and I thought, you know, it really sucks that people don't talk about money openly and they should and they need to talk about the stuff that makes people uncomfortable, a.k.a. insurance. Mm-hmm. And so I made a few, I guess, unconscious decisions back then that I was going to be that formidable warrior um, who was going to talk about the uncomfortable stuff, mm-hmm. um, including insurance. And, uh, and it also made me realise, you know what, if you want to be successful in life, you've got to figure out this thing called money. And you don't just have to figure out how to make it. You've got to figure out how to protect it as well. Absolutely. And that was the resounding lesson that I learned. 
And uh, and that experience taught me that and that got me into my career in, in financial services. And the second thing, Georgie, was that another childhood memory and, uh, and this is a beautiful thing that has contributed to my money story, is actually just seeing women interact with money. And so for all your listeners who have children, I really want to encourage them to talk about money mm-hmm. and interact with money. It shouldn't be a taboo thing. I think as Australians we do a pretty poor job of talking about money and we need to be really open like the Americans are around this stuff it's not it's not what's that word um cheesy that's actually not the word it's not um tacky to talk Mm. about money it should be almost it's a pride thing as well I feel like it's it's very you you have to be vulnerable to talk about money because not everyone's money story is a good one um and so it's putting yourself out there it's detaching your pride from it as well yeah, so true. And as the incredible, you know, Brene Brown said, there's strength in vulnerability, right? Um, and I think that's what we need to start seeing. It's, we all have little elements of shame, things that we're not happy about, but there is so much power and strength in sharing those stories. And um, that by, by and large will overshadow in a positive way any feelings of discomfort you may have around talking about money. So, um so, yeah, and so so for me, it was these women, my mum and my aunties, they'd get together every month and they do they would do this really cool thing called Money Club. It started with a Besma Club where they would um, buy Besmas, um, you know, those old orange pots that you kind of make your, your chicken in and so forth. All right. Um, and I think, yeah, and I think when the Indian auntie community couldn't buy any more Besmas, it turned into a Money Club. And uh, <laughs> once fantastic. a month these women, it's so cool, right? I mean, why don't we women get together and do our own Money Club? And so these aunties would get together and, of course, all us kids would get together and get the food. And samosas would be made, cakes would be made and snacks would be made and, you know, yummy tea and we got the creaming soda and ran around the coffee tables like crazy people. Um, and um, and they would they would bank money and it was like a long-term savings plan, whether it be 12 months or, you know, 24 months. They had savings goals and my auntie would walk in each month with her black briefcase and her black notebook and just seeing that normalised women being treasurers, women being bookkeepers, women managing money, women counting money. These visuals are so powerful. They were so powerful for me. And it just made talking about money, banking money, long-term savings, the, the whole treasurer element, just normal. It's interesting that you've had that upbringing because I guess it really goes against the grain to what we've all experienced as traditional gender norms and seeing the men in the family um, have control over the finances, which obviously we're here to break and really break down that stigma that women are just as capable as men in controlling the finances in a family. But I guess, yeah, it's fascinating because I don't think many people would have had that experience. So it's a really beautiful story to hear from you, Shiv. I'm curious to know whether you think the gender pay gap still exists today in our current climate. Yeah, it, it's and it's a fact, Georgie. Um, it absolutely does exist. And uh, I was talking to my Remarkable Woman team just yesterday about this and we were talking about you know, do we need to do more myth busters around this because the gender pay gap does exist. It's it's around 14% for Australia. It's remained stubborn over the last two years. WJA, which is short for the, um, oh, goodness, Workplace Gender Equality Agency, um, does annual reporting on this and we can see that it's stubborn even this year in COVID will probably, you know, take us behind again. Um, and we were talking about, you know, what do we say to the naysayers? And we ended up coming up with, you know what? Here's a pen. 
So for you listeners, they can't see me holding a pen right now. Here's a pen. If, if you're going to say I'm not holding a pen, then frankly, that's your delusion. I'm not going to argue with you that I'm holding a pen or I'm not holding a pen because it exists. It's here. Mm. It's real. And, and which is, you know, I, I think we need to stop stoking that fire on is the gender pay gap real? Because yes, it is real. You want to go see the stats, go Google stuff, but we're not going to be arguing around it. Instead, what you need to be doing is thinking about how you can support women and men and institutions, economies and um, and governments on destabilising um, and, and unpacking the biases and the stereotypes and the merit myth that contributes to the gender pay gap. So when it then comes to asking for a pay rise, should women be considering adding an extra 14% on what they might be asking for? Good question. And unfortunately, it's not that simple. So the gender pay gap at 14% is averaged out, right? And it's averaged out across all different industries and, and occupations. Okay. In fact, for different industries, it may be higher or lower. So most government um, occupations are, have a much lower pay gap, if any at all, and it's averaged out at around 10%. Uh, my old stomping ground, the finance industry, and, uh, and, and other industries can be high, can be as high as between 21 and 29%. Wow, that's a massive, that's a massive take home difference. It, it's huge. And it's really hard to know if you individually, um, are a victim of the gender pay gap or not. And one of the things that contribute to it is secrecy. Transparency mm. is one of the main pillars of dismantling the gender pay gap. So I'll tell you what we're doing about it, Georgie. Um, we at The Remarkable Women, Woman have built an incredible gender pay gap calculator. So any of our members can go in and they can stick in their pay and they can stick in their occupation. And we have all the assumptions and all the data that sits behind it that'll tell you if you're being paid on market, if you're being paid above market, if you're subject to the gender pay gap, and if so, what that amount is. Because you should be being paid your worth. Um, what is the worth? The worth is what the market is being paid, what your equal is being paid, what your male colleagues are being paid. So taking into account that when women walk into a boardroom environment to discuss their salaries or remuneration, that we are already a foot below our male counterparts, how important is negotiation to a remuneration discussion? It's imperative, Georgie, because we, we live in a world where it's not what you say, it's how you say it. It's not what you know, it's who you know. It's all of these things, right? We live in a nuanced world. And at the end of the day, I want you to think about it this way, right? Let's just say um, you are a business owner and you are employing someone and mm. someone is sitting on the opposite side to you. So I want you to put the business owner's hat on your head right now. And someone else is sitting across the table from you and you're interviewing them for a job. Mm. right? They have to believe that they are worthy of that job first and that they can do the job first so that they can convince you to hire them. It is not your job to sit there as the employer and tell them that they are worthy of this job and that they can do it and they've got all the skills and experience, right? You wouldn't do that as as an interviewer. You wouldn't do that as a business owner. They've got to sell themselves. So now let's use that same logic towards, you know, you wanting to have really good negotiation skills and get a pay rise. It's not your job to sit there and and say to your leader, which is unfortunately how most people will do it. Um, You know, hey, I really think I deserve more money. And then just leave it as an open question, you know, and then just hope that your leader is going to swoop in and come to the rescue and go, yes, Georgie, you deserve more money. You've been doing so much extra work and I'm so proud of you. And, you know, I remember that last month you did that extra project and kudos to you stayed back last week. 
they're not going to remember any of that. Mm. Not that that would be people. amazing if that happened, but not yes. my experience so far. <laughs> exactly. And, 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 you know, it's also like, let's give these leaders a break. I, I know what a day in the life of looks like because I've managed teams and, and, uh, and I've managed other managers as well. And I know how busy it gets. You're not just managing people. You're managing your own work. You've got your own work to do. You've got all these people to manage. Then you've got your projects to manage. Then you're managing up sideways and, the, you know, it, it just never ends, right? Mm. So it's not that they're bad people. I hope they're not bad people. Um, but it's, they're just not going to keep track of that stuff. It's up to you to keep track of all the work that you've done so that you can have a compelling argument in which you can bring forward to the table to, to pad out the why. Mm. Yes, you deserve a pay rise. Here's why. That information that pads it out is your responsibility to bring to the table. Right. So what would be your top tips to negotiating skills when you're in those discussions about remunerations and salaries in a boardroom environment with your manager? Yeah, look, we, we go through this really comprehensively um, in, in The Remarkable. We've got actually a full course on this. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think if I were to talk about the top why I would probably be here forever. Um, <laughs> but what I'll do is, um, is I'll, give you, I'll give you some quick actionable pointers so that your listeners can take this and go, right, even if I take this and run with it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be better off. The first one is just watch out for yourself that you don't accidentally start negotiating against yourself. And you'll do this if you start using the three-letter word B-U-T, but, right? Mm. Because the niceties will, will get in your way. The niceties are your enemy. What ends up happening is most people will sort of go, look, I really want my boss to like me. Um, I don't want to ruffle any feathers and, mm. and I want to be nice. So I'm going to try to play devil's advocate here right? Mm. And, um, and let's just say, Georgie, you're my boss and I'm trying to, you know, um, convince you to give me a pay rise. I might say, Georgie, look, I know I've only been on your podcast once, um, but I think I did a really good job. And I think that I gave your listeners so much value. And, you know, we got these amazing reviews. Um, and, um, and, and so I'm, I'm starting to negotiate against myself where I'm saying, Georgie, um, you know, I've got all these amazing reviews and I think I need a pay rise. Um, and I know that it might be hard because, you know, I, I understand that it's, it's, it's only a new podcast um, or, you know, I know, and or you might do it the other way around where you'll say, Georgie, I know it's a new podcast, but I really think I deserve a pay rise. Mm. So we're trying to play devil's advocate. We're trying to play in your corner. We're trying to be nice. But by doing so, you're accidentally negotiating against yourself. And I've given you fodder to go, yeah, you're right, Shivani, it's a new podcast. I can't pay you right now. Mm, you know, yes. um, I can't give that pay rise right now. Mm. And I've just made your job really easy for you. So it is not your job to, to play a devil's advocate. It is not your job to be nice. It is not your job to say but. It is your job to simply advocate on your behalf. That is all. And the other thing that I would say is always be armed with the facts. Otherwise, you will go into the I feel discussion. Mm. right? Even if you don't say the word I feel, you'll end up saying, I really think I deserve a pay rise. I really feel like I've done a lot of work. I have poured my heart and soul into this job. Now, all of that may be true, but it doesn't actually tell them anything tangible. You must always have the facts. You must always have that I did this, this, and this. And remember how we were talking about earlier in the podcast where you worked back, you did that extra project. It is your job to keep a brag folder on that. It is your job to keep a list of all the extra results that you have um, brought in. Stash them away. Keep them for that rainy day. (laughs) 
Exactly right, exactly right. And use it for your salary negotiation conversation. And once you do ask, just be quiet. Don't fill the space. Wait for them to answer. That's really interesting because I'm definitely one of those people who feels very uncomfortable when there's silence and I'll automatically try to fill the space with words. But I can understand how in that scenario it would be very powerful. So powerful because when you do that, the onus is on the other person to respond, Mm. not on you to fill the gap. Because if you do fill the gap, you'll end up fighting against yourself again. You'll end up sort of playing devil's advocate for them. You'll end up sort of just playing the niceties and accidentally moving away from yourself. You've just got to bite your tongue and be quiet. So when we're preparing for a remuneration discussion, what is the biggest asset that we can bring to the table in terms of our preparation? Is it those tangible things that you were talking about, like a list of all the KPIs we've met, all those stashed away notes of everything that we've done and that we've really gone above and beyond in? Like what's the most important thing that we can bring to the table in these kind of discussions? So I don't think there's any one biggest asset. Um, Getting a pay rise, it's like there's no silver lining, Mm -hmm. right? Um, When you're successful, it's a multifaceted approach of all the things you put into the job that is going to make you successful. It's never going to be one thing. But, yes, your brag folder is going to be a huge foundation because it is facts. You're still going to need to know if you, um, you know, what pay grade you're on versus where you want to be. You're still going to need to make sure that you structure your conversation in a way that is clear, that is compelling, and doesn't work against yourself. And you need to make sure that you are in the right environment to make it work for you. Because I've heard some horror stories. I've heard some horror stories of people just blurting it out at work drinks um, accidentally. (laughs) You know, maybe it was a bit of liquid courage. I've heard of people cornering their manager, and this has happened to me as well, in the hallway. Um, I'm one of these people that I'm always a woman on a mission. So if I'm walking through a hallway, it's because I'm going to the kitchen, I'm going to the bathroom, I'm going to the printer, and it's like my head is just there and it's back, right? Um, And and I have so many times been, you know, just going, hey, Shivani, have you got five minutes? Can I just, I just need to run something by you, or I just want to pick your brains on something. Can I just, you know, and and when that happens to me, I will always say yes, because I have an open door policy, but you haven't got me in the right mindset. Mm. I, I'm, I'm halfway through something. My mind is on an agenda somewhere else. I'm now sitting in a room with you and I want to get out of there because I've got something else to do right now, but I'm trying to give you my mind and space. And you're now trying to talk to me about a pay rise. That's not going to work in your favor. Mm. Because okay. all I'm going to do is stall the conversation. Frankly, you're probably less prepared mm. as well. Mm. Have preparation on your side and give your leader the time and respect of giving them notice. I would actually put it in their diary. Send them an email, make it formal. Hey, I'd really love to discuss my remuneration with you. Would this time next week suit? Let's stick it in the diary. I'm really interested to know from your own perspective, Shivani, of being in a managing position and having your own employees under you, what you really respect when they come and ask you to discuss their salaries or when they're talking about their remuneration with you. Because for me personally, I really struggle to be direct. Um, I want to feel grateful for the position I'm in and feel 
friendly towards my manager. Like all you were saying before about all the things you shouldn't do. I feel like that's me. I'm always the person to be like, I I really love my job, but, (laughs) and I'm wondering in your own experience, do you really appreciate people being direct and forward about it? Or like, what approach do you really respect? Yeah. I think that's a great question, Georgie. I absolutely respect people who know what they want and who can back themselves and who will prepare it. The only caveat I would add to that is always do the work, mm. right? So you could be confident till the cows come home and you could be prepared, but if you haven't done the work, you're not going to be rewarded. Mm. So make sure you've done the work. And then make sure that when you're promising I'm going to get a pay rise, you're continuing to do the work because that is where when someone comes in all guns blazing um, without any niceties, because frankly, you don't, you don't, they're not doing you a favour. It, it's, it's a trade. It's a commodity, right? Your services are the commodity here for which you're being paid, mm. right? Um, so, so let's be really respectful about that and you want to be paid your worth and, that, and that's all great. And as long as you do the work, there is absolutely no shame in that. And I will always respect someone who brings that to the table. And that's happened to me time and time again. And I've gone, fair point. Um, And I think this is something that we need to investigate. And I think this is something we need to rectify. And it happens. Interesting. So we're now going to go to some of our listener questions. Annabelle has written in wanting to know, what do you suggest to do during COVID-19? She has recently hit her one-year mark at her job, but she's worried that if she asks for a pay rise, she could be fired due to the fact that there's been some redundancies with the current climate. Sure. Look, we're in really unprecedented times, right? Mm -hmm. A a health uh, crisis that has created an economic crisis that's had a massive ripple effect. And when it comes to pay rises, nothing is ever a given, right? And um, and I think that even when it comes to pay rises, it's it's not a given that we're going to get a pay rise every year, uh, because remember it's it's a trade, mm. right? It's it, and even though I'm I'm over practicalizing this, you've got to think of it as a commodity. Am I delivering my bit? Are they delivering their bit? And if that is on market, you may not get a pay rise. Mm. right? So how do you find value? How do you create value? That, that, that's the thing that animals got to focus on. Mm-hmm. So first of all, we've got to be realistic. We are going through COVID. There may not be any budget whatsoever for a pay rise. I still remember back when I was a financial advisor um, through the GFC, people were instead asked to take a pay cut so that they could keep people on payroll. Mm. Some really senior people were asked to take anywhere between 20 to 30% off their, their pay. Um, and they did that. So um, even just getting that pay might be a win right now. I don't know what her workplace situation Mm. is like. But what I can say is that if she is looking for a pay rise in this environment, she's got to think about areas in which she can add value. Mm. Um, So, okay, we are going through a pandemic right now. Here are some areas where I'm seeing value. Here is where I feel like we can add more revenue to the company. And here's how I think I can help you do it. And if I do that, do you think that we could reward me with a project fee or a bonus? Or if we do that, then what I'd love to discuss with you is a pay rise associated with that. Mm. And I think that's a really good way to negotiate a pay rise in an environment that is COVID-19. Absolutely. Because everyone's trying to look for new ways in which they can find revenues to keep their businesses going. Um, Jackie would like to know, how well do you have to know a colleague to ask about their salary or have an open discussion about their pay grades? 
I guess this kind of comes back to the workplace transparency that you were talking about before, but how do you navigate these kinds of conversations? So you, I think you know my answer to this one. Um, I, I think pay should be an open discussion. If someone wants to ask you your pay, um, you know, they should be able to do so. That's the kind of culture and environment I think we should be living in. That's the kind that will dismantle the gender pay gap. And, uh, and I think that unfortunately because we live in a society where it's rude to ask someone um, how much they're on, you, you've got to work through the, um, the social fabric of that relationship, right? Um, I mean, naturally, no matter what you're asking someone, whether it's what they have for breakfast and or, you know, what, what they're earning, it's all about how you ask and how you engage them. So I, I think that there's certainly no shame in it and I, I'm very supportive of that. Um, but I, I think that it's about doing it in the right way, in a private way, um, and so that they don't feel that they're exposed if they're telling you confidentially. And, and also maybe opening it up. So by saying, hey, you know, what I'd love to do is really get a better idea of where I sit on a pay scale. And um, in order to do that, you know, how comfortable do you feel talking about salary with me? Um, you know, so that we can both understand where we're at. Is that something that you're okay with? Okay, great. Well, this is what I'm on. What do you want? Mm. Because it, you, can, you can use the rule of reciprocity to make that work for you. Mm, no, that makes complete sense. I guess you've got to be happy to discuss yours, your salary openly before you can expect others to be open about theirs as well. Um, the last question is from Sammy and she would like to know how does she get her boss to recognise her for doing work that is way above her pay grade and level? I'm assuming this might come back to the little brag book that you were talking about before, having all those files stashed away for a rainy day that showcase all the hard work that you've been doing in KPIs and stuff that you've been doing that is, I guess, above your pay grade and level. Absolutely. And and I think, first of all, um, you know, it, it's a great question that shows her capability um, and her potential. And I think what she needs to do is, is, you know, is make sure she's documenting all of that and putting a putting a market value next to that. You know, what kind of salary should she be earning? What kind of job is she doing? Now, if she's working for a small business, most small businesses are going to be multifaceted kind of roles. Is her REM already taking that into account? Um, is, is her leader trying to uh, grow her capabilities into a promotion. Um, so figure out what path she's on. And I think the best way to do that is to ask open questions and to say, you know, what I love is that this is my role and lately I've been doing this, this and this. To, to get some context, where do you see the future of this role heading? What else do you see? Can I tell you what I would like to see this morphing into? Given that I'm already doing X, and now I'm morphing into why. I'd love to see why I become the future of my role and to become a company with that salary and that level of responsibility on a consistent basis. So it's about having the right level of, sort of language syntax and bringing that into the fold and bringing again the facts to talk about that. Wow. I think what I'm taking away from this discussion is that you are really inspiring me and hopefully the listeners to really take own ownership of this kind of position that we put ourselves in and to not be afraid to ask for what we want. I think that's yes. something that we find so like nerve wracking and so hard to put ourselves forward and put ourselves in, in the front line for I guess any you can get shot down as well not every conversation about pay rises is going to be successful so I think it's it's like you said a vulnerable conversation but from what I understand you're really saying that we just need to take ownership and go for it because what have we got to lose and to be really meticulous in our decision making process about it to be really well prepared to really think it through 
Absolutely. And that's a great summary, Georgie. So yes, I am saying that. And just be mindful of your relationship capital and make sure the way in which you do it leverages that relationship capital and doesn't tear it down. As long as you do that, you have absolutely nothing to lose. Right. Now, moving on, I would really like to have a conversation around our worth and putting a figure against your name and job title. Why do you think women struggle so much to to know their worth or put that number against their name? Because we're socialised to... We're socialised to have our worth come from external factors. We're socialised from a young girl to have our worth come from our cute little dresses, our smiles, how sweet we are, how nice we are to other people, our servitude. And don't get me wrong, these things are beautiful. I, I, I grew up in hospitality, right? I love serving people food. You have no idea, mm. right? But I do that because that's my soul food. That makes me happy. I don't mm. do it to make other people happy so that I can get my happiness, mm. right? And so we're socialized to feel as though that's where our worth comes from. It gets worse. We're socialized to feel that our worth comes from how we look, how skinny we are, how good of a mother we are, and all of this crap. Mm. We are not socialized to value ourselves based on productivity, based on the money that we bring in, based on, um, you know, um, the amount of confidence and ambition we have, based on the intellect that we have. We're not socialized to value any of these things. Mm. And so it's no wonder that, you know, women are just going, Oh, that's how much you want to pay me? Oh, I'm so grateful. Thank you for that. I'll take that salary. You know, that's yeah. why, that's, this, it's just, this is why this happens. Um, I wish your listeners could probably see the bewilderment on both our faces right <laughs> it's now. It's a lot of gestures going on. I know. <laughs> a I lot know. of passion. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and this is what, you know, women like you and me need to change, Georgie. Mm. This is what our listeners need to change by embracing the change. It's a grassroots action of this. And, um, and that's why it's so important that we, we know our worth and we ask for our worth um, because what we have right now is a male breadwinner bias, not just in Australia but, you know, throughout society and throughout, you know, the world um, where men are valued based on, you know, what they're bringing to the table. Um, and, uh, and that's why men, you know, on a, on a very general term um, earn more than women. And when it comes to actually trying to find what number you should put against your name or ask for, do you recommend Googling and just researching online and looking at all those different websites like Payscale to see uh, what the average is out there and then just asking for the average? Or what do you recommend? Like, yeah, how do we come up with that number? Yeah, I mean, why not? If, if you feel like you're above average and you can prove it, um, through the work that you've done, through mm-hmm. the skills that you have, through the testimonials that you have. So remember, you've always got to do the work and bring in the facts, right? Mm-hmm. You can't just say, believe me, I'm really good. My mum thinks so. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest testimonial <laughs> from our mums would all have that. <laughs> I know, I know. Like you, you gotta, you always got to layer on the facts, right? Always remember Persuasion 101. Don't take my word for it, take theirs. Um and, and yes, do the research. So you can, you can, you can do it a number of ways. You can go on to seek, do a lot of research on how much these jobs are paying. Um, and, uh, and, you know, just Google, 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 and you'll come up with some averages. I find that these numbers are a little bit nuanced. Um, it's a bit confusing. And that's why we built a pay calculator for women, um, as part of the remarkable woman, because, it's just hard and we want to give women clarity on um, what their pay should be and if there's a gender pay gap around that um, based on whether you're a beginner, you're, a, um, you know, you're an expert, what level you're at in that industry. 
Um, but um, but otherwise, if um, you know, if you just want to hop onto Google, do the research, and then yeah, and then figure out: Am I above average? Am I on average? Am I on entry level? And then ask appropriately. I would love to talk a little bit more about your business, Shivani, the remarkable woman. How do we get involved and get access to things like the pay calculator, like you mentioned? Is it a membership? And if we do sign up to become a member, what other things do we have on offer to us? Yeah, sure. So um, so what, what we do is in order to get access to that, yes, you do need to be a member. Um, so membership to the Remarkable Woman is, is essentially mentoring and education. So we partner women with mentors um, so that they can achieve their career goals, um, their business goals or whatever it is that they're working on. And we have endless amounts of video courses, short courses, um, as well as money and pay calculators, self-awareness surveys, the list goes on and on um, so that women can essentially achieve their ever-growing potential and essentially excel at whatever it is that they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, because coming from finance and leadership and startup, I have personally seen and experienced the many barriers that stand in our way and I've made it my mission to absolve them. It sounds like the remarkable woman is the person you need to hold your hand as you try to achieve all the steps throughout your career. Is that kind of what it's all about? I I like the way you said that. Yes, I guess it is. (laughs) It just sounds like such a fantastic platform that you've created. And so I would highly encourage anyone who's listening, if this is something of interest to you, to go check it out. I'll drop the links to the Remarkable Woman um, website and Instagram in the show notes below. But lastly, Shiv, I would really like to finish on a quote or motto that you live by. Is there something that you that really resonates with you that ignites your girl boss strength? Yeah, I've, I've got so many. And um, one is my own personal purpose statement. And that is to live a fully expressed life and to be fearless in the pursuit of a greater tomorrow with courage and compassion. And I came to that purpose statement by really reflecting on my own personal experiences and thinking about what I had to give to the world and what I wanted to do in my lifetime. And I think that really encapsulated my soul and my fire within. Um, And so that is something that I live by. Another motto that I live by is to ever is to um, forever be working towards my ever-growing potential. I think we owe it to ourselves to mm-hmm. achieve our ever-growing potential. I think we will never reach it every time we get to another stage. There's another opportunity, that another level that, you know, opens up for us. Absolutely. And, um, and I think that is so thrilling, you know, to, to not even know the depths of your potential, the capacity, the the um, the heights that you could reach and that really excites me and that gets me out of bed and probably gets me into trouble from time to time but you know (laughs) no that's so beautiful I think it just those both of those statements that you just said I think they're they're so reflective of the gorgeous woman that you are and the fantastic work that you do to help empower others um I would like to extend a massive thank you for coming on and chatting to us today I know personally I've taken away so much from this and I'm really excited for when whoever has to deal with me in a remuneration discussion next to watch out (laughs) I'm really excited about it <laughs> exactly. And I really, I'm sure that our listeners have taken away some fantastic points. You've just brought so much, so much goodness to the conversation. So thank you for joining us. 
Thank you so much for having me, Georgie. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Wow. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Shivani and were able to take away some tips and tricks to negotiating a pay rise in the boardroom. Um, If you enjoyed this conversation, I'd highly recommend scrolling back through to Setting Boundaries with Sarah Alexander, as I'm sure you will enjoy that one as well. Otherwise, we release new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you subscribe and tune in next week. Otherwise, come follow us on Instagram at underscore the wow project underscore for more updates. And lastly, just a friendly reminder that the information shared in this podcast is general advice only and does not take into account your personal situation or needs. Where appropriate, please consult a professional first. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. And I'm on the road.